0: Remember, we were there and we saw that all that openeth the matrix is mine and every firstling among thy cattle, whether ox or sheep, that is male. But, and here comes the big but, but the firstling of an ass Thou shalt redeem with a lamb. Now you'll remember that we talked about the ass when we were in Exodus 13. And yet it comes up again, the ass. And I felt it would be good, because it comes twice in Scripture, to talk yet again of the ass. For some of you might have found it amusing when we first mentioned the ass maybe some of you felt that really it didn't apply to you because you weren't that long faced however i want to talk about the ass the firstling of an ass and take it in a slightly different way so that you can look at it from scripture and see it you'll find of course the first reference to it is in exodus 13:13 13, 13, where we were some little while ago. You remember that an ass, or you won't remember, but you'll know that an ass is a stubborn beast. Hmm? Like humanity. Man's nature is the nature of an ass. And so God made provision. The same way in Egypt when an ass, when a child had to be redeemed, should I say, by a lamb being slain, in the same way the firstborn were redeemed by the lamb, so an ass has to be redeemed by a lamb. And God identifies humanity with the nature of that beast. An ass. And man has never lost that nature, ever. You'll find, if you remember it, in Job chapter 11. We looked at it, I believe. Job 11 and verse 12. For vain man would be wise, though man be born a wild ass's colt. Man is born totally unbridled and totally untrained. By birth, his nature is wild. And man's nature remains wild. You cannot tame man's humanity. You can't tame it. It can be dealt with through Calvary and then it can be kept under by the power of the cross but it can't be tamed. There's no way that you can make a man into something other than man is. And all of us have that nature within. Stubbornness. Rebelliousness. Cantankerousness. Bitchiness. Self-willed. immovable awkward well what else can i use to describe each of us maybe a lot of things but that's that's man that is man and Our nature, our human nature is like that. And we all have a human nature. All of us. And when we come to Christ, there's some who'd like to believe that you cease to be human. Well, I sometimes look at people and wonder whether they are human. That's true. But you don't cease to have humanity. It's wonderful to sing Jesus Christ is Lord. He is Lord. He is risen from the dead and he is Lord. And there's truth in it. He's the Almighty Christ. He's King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He chooses where he'll rule and where he won't rule. And he allows man to have free reign. That's his choice. And I need to realize that my nature, unless it comes under the dominion and under the kingdom of Christ and is kept there, will revert very, very rapidly to the mulish nature. Man basically is stubborn. Man is resisting that which God desires. And it doesn't take long. Any of you who have had a touch from God will know that it soon can wear off and you'll be back to your same awkward, cantankerous little self. Hmm? Doesn't take long. In fact, you wonder whether anything ever really happened. Christ intervenes and he comes in by his spirit in a big way And for a time, that mulish nature of yours is submerged by the glory of Jesus Christ, but unfortunately, like the proverbial cork, it bobs up again. And you see the head of the mule, instead of the image of Christ, floating on the waves, doing the mule paddle trying to survive. And our nature's rather like that. You can't get rid of it. Oh, the horrible sight of those two ears and long snout. They just reappear. I often feel that It's a total fallacy when people talked about the devil having cloven hooves. For a mule doesn't have cloven hooves. It's an unclean beast. And cloven hooves speak of a a separated walk with God. And you're only allowed to eat animals. Have a cloven hoof, not uh, ones that don't. And therefore, I cannot believe that the devil in any sense of the word would come that way. That's just my opinion. There's no way he has a separated walk. And the other thing is that the um, mule doesn't chew the cud. It doesn't meditate upon the word of God. That's what it's meant to represent. It's an unclean animal. And God forbade the eating of such creatures. Muleish. And he said, Look, if you won't redeem it with a lamb, break its neck. It's got to die. And man himself basically is totally unreceptive and his human nature is unreceptive to the teachings of Christ. And it's only when the cross comes in and we are made regenerate that there comes within us a seed that is responsive to God. But that mulish streak is still there. And unless the Lord Jesus Christ dominates and unless we mortify the deeds of the flesh and we mortify our members that are upon the earth, we will discover very quickly that the old life reasserts itself. You know that attitude that you can get inside you, that attitude of irritation and that attitude of murmuring and grumbling and moaning and nothing's ever right, and you know the way women are, and um, men aren't that bad. Women seem to excel in it. Men are more careless, carefree self-indulgent that's the problem with man The terrible problem with man women well they tend to be more just murmurers and complainers and moaners and mules man also has mulish but you know a mule just doesn't care creature that doesn't care Strange creature. It has has such a strange nature. I think we should buy one and have it for the school. Then send some of the children to sit on it. They'd learn what a useless creature it was. Get Caroline to sit and look at it for half a day. And she'd know what we all put up with. Mules. Terrible creatures, useless. Beasts of burden which will sometimes just sit down and refuse to move. If they decide they're not going to move, they'll refuse to move. If they don't like what's on their back, they'll roll over to get it off their back. What stupid creatures. Asses. People are like that, you know, humanity's like that. And I wanted to spend a little while considering it. Because I was talking to Max today, he rang me up, he, he'd he been given a tape. You know, someone came along and said, I, I've got a tape I'd like you to listen to. And so there was this tape he was listening to, and it was of this man who was... <clears throat> uh, Well, very good, actually, at conning people, I suppose you'd say, and persuading people that you haven't got a mulish nature or an ass's nature. Now, how you can persuade anyone of that fact, I don't know, unless you flatter them. I look round, and I cannot think that I could, in all honesty and integrity, ever persuade Charlie or anyone sitting on the front row, Christopher or Jill or Chris or Meadry, or Caroline or Ruth or Jean-Claude, I couldn't persuade him. He's not a mule. Mule Mule-headed. I I couldn't honestly stand up and say they weren't stubborn at times. Rebellious, cantankerous, awkward, cussed. I mean, you know, just the way they are and the way we all are. I mean, basically, that's us. Dealing in life, that's the way we are, isn't it? Well, isn't it? I mean, when we're honest, when something doesn't go the way we want it to go, aren't we wonderful people? Doesn't sweetness arise from the soul when you haven't got Weedabix for breakfast? Doesn't sweetness arise from the soul when the car doesn't work? Huh? Yes, I know. Mine hasn't at times. I usually kick the tire. It's about my only mechanical knowledge. The mechanical knowledge there is that it doesn't hurt as much as if you kick the bonnet. Um, But that's all. I mean, we are. When things go wrong, what are we? We are real angry. You imagine, just the washing machine flooding will will certainly bring out the honey in you. Huh? Something boiling over on the stove. You've only got to stand in the kitchen and watch a woman and something boils over and you see how sweet she is. Huh? Something burning. And, and you know, there—it doesn't take much to get man going, does it? Hm? Someone's only got to drive out of a driveway. <laughs> if you go in certain parts of the house, it'll be someone from the church, but. Um, certain parts of the town, be someone from the church driving out of a driveway, but I was going to say, someone drives out stupidly in front of you when you're driving down the road, and you know, the sweetness and light comes out. Oh, bless you. Fancy making a mistake like that. I often do that myself. You know, and you say, well, don't worry about it. You know, accidents happen. You know, there is not the mulish ass's natures down there. And if anything doesn't quite go the way we want, doesn't it rise up? Now, this man tries to convince people that they haven't got it. Now, how I could convince any of you that you weren't that way, well, I just wouldn't dare try. I mean, I would have to start laughing within a minute or two. And if I try to convince you that I hadn't got that nature, you'd probably be in hysterics within a second or two. I mean, no one can actually say, well, you know, it's all gone. Well, it isn't. You're human. You really are human. And that is one of the things that, We live with every moment of every day, our humanity. And it doesn't take too much pressure for our humanity to be revealed, does it? Just takes a little push and a little prod and we reveal what we are. We aren't very compliant. We aren't very affable when things come against us. In fact, That old stubborn streak is there, and boy, does it show itself. Now, I might be talking to a people who's looking at me and thinking, well, I don't know, he's not talking about me, he's talking about someone else. I'm sweet. I remember Ed Miller talking about a couple who uh, he went to dinner with. I don't know if he ever told you about them. We went to dinner with this couple, and they hadn't been there long. And the one thing the wife did, you'll remember, if I have told you about it, is she never made enough gravy. Any dinner time, she never made enough gravy. And the husband used to really get upset about this, because he'd run out of gravy, just like someone else I know. And he'd start ranting and raving every mealtime, and... She'd sit there and say, keep me sweet, Jesus, keep me sweet. (laughs) And then she hadn't made any pudding, and he'd rant and rave about that, and she'd murmur, keep me sweet, Jesus, keep me sweet. And then I can't remember what used to get her going, it was something or other, and she'd start shouting at him and telling him how awful he was, and he'd be saying, oh, keep me sweet, Jesus, keep me sweet, you know. And Deb Miller and Mum Miller, they sat on either side watching this, almost like Wimbledon, belting across the table. And in the end, Mum Miller gave up and she started making the gravy in the puddings. Because they couldn't stand. These people are always asking Jesus to keep them sweet. I, I mean, what deception. What stupidity. It's no good pretending to be what you're not. And there's nothing wrong with a bit of anger, providing the anger's controlled. Do you know anger is a gift from God? It provokes you to action. (laughs) And if you hit someone, it'll provoke them to action too. Um, But anger is a gift from God. Controlled. You shouldn't allow it to control you. You should control the anger. It's a, uh, as I say, it's a servant. It provokes you to action. But what we haven't learned and what we haven't realized is that we can't pretend to be what we're not. It's no good me saying, well, as a Christian now, you should never get angry because if I told you that, that would be a lie. God has given you the gift of anger. But you've got to learn to control that anger and all the attributes of humanity must come under the dominion of Jesus Christ. The things that are there can be brought under dominion, but only the dominion of Christ. You can't bring them under the dominion of your own control. And that is what is so deceptive in the teachings that are going around where they talk about the all-victorious life I can't control my anger, only Christ can. If Jesus Christ doesn't control the attitudes within, then I'm lost. Now, he'll subdue and control them, but he won't eradicate them. And when I step out of the Spirit, I find they're as prevalent and as violent as they were before I was converted. They're there. The appetites of the flesh are the same in a converted man as they are in an unconverted man. Given full reign, they will go to the same extremities. And worse. And the only thing that will keep those in check is the power of the Lord Jesus Christ having dominion and power over them, and me walking with the power of the cross, working in my life and putting to death my members. The moment I move out of that, I'm in trouble. And I can only walk in that way if I walk in a realization that my whole life depends upon Christ keeping me moment by moment. No experience that I've had of Jesus Christ is going to keep me. The experience can't keep me, for I need the moment-by-moment reality of Christ in my life. And the moment he withdraws a step, a half pace, I am lost. And that's the truth. We need the presence of God. We need the Lord Jesus Christ working in our hearts and in our beings every moment if we're to be kept. And the moment he moves back, we're down. That's why the scripture says, let he that thinketh he stand, take heed lest he fall. Because the moment I believe I can stand, I've already fallen because I know that I can't stand, Christ can keep me. It says in Jude, I think it's verse 24, let's look at it. Jude 24. Jude 24. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling, and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Now who's able to keep us from falling? Jesus Christ. Now he is the only one who's able to keep me from falling. I can't. No man can change himself. Because we are born with an ass's nature. We are born with a streak of stubbornness and I tell you that every regenerate person still has it in them. You're as much an ass after you're born again as you were before. The difference is you have the seed of God within you. Whereas before you didn't. The ass was unbridled, untamed, and ran rings round your life and controlled your life. Now that Christ has come, there is a change come because there's been born in the law of God which is dealing with that ass nature and bringing it into captivity. But it isn't in total captivity. Not yet. It will be when we leave this body. And whilst I walk in the Spirit, it will be subdued. Whilst I live in Christ and walk in Christ, it will be subdued. But the moment I step out, bang, I'm down. And you'll see it if you turn with me to Mark's gospel. Now you remember, it was an ass's cult, man's nature. Just turn with me to Mark. Or let's, before we go there, let's just go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Verse 14. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness unto him, neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. The natural man. Now, one thing you must understand, when you're born again doesn't make you unnatural. The natural man just doesn't receive the things of the Spirit of God. They're spiritually discerned. When I'm born again, I can receive things in the Spirit. My, my spirit has been quickened that I might have life in God, that I might know him. But one thing that doesn't happen, and this is important to understand, is that my whole temperament, my whole personality, and my whole nature is totally eradicated, and now I'm just a spiritual man what watchman nee says is totally wrong but watchman nee never was right i mean he was an exclusive brethren and he resisted the revival that went on in the church in china he resisted it and the book that he wrote the spiritual man if you've got it it's in 3 volumes is a load of rubbish really there are truths in it But the truth is that a lot of it is rubbish. There is no way that some of the things he talks about actually happen. One of his books is good, and that's called uh, the book on... uh, I can't remember it now. The one on Romans is good. Hmm? In a normal Christian life. But then, you see, went off into exclusivism and got all these ideas, weird ideas, and a lot of them are very weird. And if you read those books, you'll end up in bondage. And they never produced life. He ended up working and translating for a communist government. He wasn't tortured at all. And one has to understand that a lot of the things that you see and a lot of the things that you read aren't quite right. Now, I realize that there's no way that my nature is just eradicated. It doesn't take me long when pressure comes to discover that the eradication most certainly isn't complete. And if I was to go around to any of you and say, well, today, or when there was a bit of pressure or a bit of hassle, how sweet were you? Well, how nice are you when the pressure's on? Now, if you believe that it's Christ only, and you know you're one of these people that's totally delivered, well, you're deluding yourself. I, I won't take me long. If I tread on your toe as we walk out the meeting, I think I'll discover that you're not quite. Uh, as spiritual as you thought. It's true, isn't it? And the only way we can be kept is by Jesus Christ keeping us. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling. Now the natural man doesn't receive the things of the Spirit, yet we can receive the things of the Spirit because we have both the natural man and the spiritual man. We are natural but we also have been brought to life by the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God works within, and our spirit's been made alive to God. But what hasn't happened is I haven't ceased to be human. Well, as human as I was before God met me, for the sake of some. I mean, we're all human. There's humanity in us. And what we have to face is the fact that Humanity is still alive and kicking, and it kicks hard, very hard. If you look in, um, uh, let's look in Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17 and 18. This I say therefore and testify in the Lord, that you henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their minds, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Now, our understanding's darkened. If we have a blind heart, but God has given our heart sight and he's given our heart understanding and our mind understanding, but that does not mean, and it never was intended to mean, that now I'm not human any longer. Now I have the divinity and I can walk as a divine person. I might have the divine life within, but I'm still human. Whilst that divine life rules and has sway, I can walk in the spirit and the sweetness of Christ will come forth. But what I also find is when I get lax, when I get lazy, when I get careless, there is the ass's nature as prevalent as ever it was. And we all discover that. It takes us time, but we discover it. Some people are so blind and stupid they don't even realise they behave like an ass. That's how much of an ass they are. And I've met people who believe and, and hold up the doctrine that they're perfectly perfect. In fact, they're so perfect, I'm surprised. Uh, Isaiah 53 verse 6. All oh, we like sheep have gone astray, we've turned every one to his own way. That's the ass nature. It doesn't take us very long before we turn to our own way, does it? It doesn't take much relaxation of the pressure of the Spirit of God before we go back to what we were. Hmm? There just needs to be a withdrawal of God's hand and we're in the same old mess. We go our own way. Don't we? And you see, that is true of everyone. And there's only one attitude that's going to keep me and that is the attitude of bowing in the dust before God and realizing if he doesn't keep me and if he doesn't have mercy on me and if his grace doesn't work in my life, I'm lost. The one person who can't keep me is me. Now unto him who is able to keep us from falling and my whole dependence in my life must be his. Thine, O Lord, is the glory, and the victory, thine. I don't ever get victory. He is the victory. He's the victorious one. And when I get to the position where I feel it's my victory, I'm lost. That's why Paul wrote, that he that thinketh he standeth take heed. Lest he fall, the moment I think I stand, I'm down. Because I cease to be dependent upon the only one who can keep me. And that is Jesus Christ. Now you might say, ah, well, I have the life of Christ, and therefore because I have the life of Christ, I can walk. I would say this, no, I have the life of Christ because I'm born again. And if by his grace he keeps me, And by his grace, he gives me sufficient grace to yield myself to him. Then he'll keep me. And if he doesn't, I'll be lost. In other words, my salvation is God. God is my salvation. God is my strength. God is my help. In myself, said Paul, dwelleth no good thing. And that is true, even after you're regenerate, there is no good thing. God is good and he alone. And therefore the whole life must be acknowledged to be of God. Now poor old Max got this tape and here's a man extolling the virtues of himself. Now, he might be a person who is able by self-will to control the ass nature and to become a bigger ass than all. Apparently he laughs like an ass and brays like an ass. But he uses the words hallelujah and praise God every two minutes. Now that doesn't make me different. And we need to see that it's God's life. It's God's. Not mine. And if God doesn't keep, I'm lost. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. <coughs> That's what the prophet Isaiah said. Now do you believe it's true? I do. And the moment I cease to be totally dependent upon God, I go my own way. And if I were to look at a lot of people, they get very offended when the word of God comes. They get a bit angry when they're faced up. How often have you been found out and the first thing you do is get angry? Hmm? When you do something wrong and you get found out, what's the first thing that rises in you? Anger. You're annoyed that you've been found out. Now, you're not sorry for what you've done. You're an ass. You just don't like being found out. Now, is that so or isn't it? Hmm? Well, you're pretty normal. And we like to believe that that's not us, but it is. And the first thing that rises on an ass's heart is self-justification. Now, there's no one here who doesn't have the tenacity, the stupidity, and the ignorance to try and justify themselves when they do something wrong. We all do it. Part of the ass nature. Trouble is sometimes we try and use the scriptures to justify what we've done. It's not done in Christ. Christ but we like to defend ourselves don't we hmm? part of the ass nature now it has to be subdued it has to be brought down can't be left to run wild never and if it's left to run wild it'll destroy Ecclesiastes chapter 3 Verse 18, I said in my heart concerning the estate of the sons of men, that God might manifest them, and that they might see that they themselves are beasts. You know, God has to manifest that to an individual. There are too many individuals that don't know their own beastliness. There's too much of humanity that really think they've been brought up too well and they've been Christianized so well they don't even acknowledge the beast in them, the animal in them. goes on. For that which befalleth the sons of men befalleth beasts. You know, you're an animal, really. In fact, he goes on. Even one thing befalleth them, as the one dieth so the other. Yea, they have all one breath, so that a man hath no preeminence above a beast, for all his vanity. Do you like that? Do you like that? It's not complimentary. Not nice. But that's what the Word of God says. And you need a real revelation from God to show you you're you're a beast, an animal. And you don't even have preeminence over the animal kingdom. You're fallen. Your nature's fallen and you've become like the cattle in the field. A beast. And that's what the scripture teaches. Now that needs a real revelation from God to bring it home to your heart. Unless the Holy Ghost shows you what an animal you are, you'll never understand it. You'll really feel, well, he must be talking about someone else. He can't be talking about me but you're an animal. And do you know, you can't come to true redemption until you see the animal instinct in you? And you see the depravity, and you see the lowness of your own being, and you cry out to a merciful God that there must be a Redeemer, and you seek the Lamb who is the Redeemer, And you realize that only in him is any goodness at all, and in you there never will be any good. And the only way that you can ever rise above the beast of the field is when you grovel in the dust and cry out to God for mercy. And when God has mercy upon you, you won't rise above the dust, you'll feel that you should go further into it. because you realize how awful you are the moment the power of God ceases to operate. You realize how evil, what great potential for evil there is within you. Now you don't despair of that. You thank God there's a Savior who can save you from it. You don't get all condemned. You thank God that there is a Savior. There is a Redeemer in Zion. There is one who can deliver and keep delivering and keep you. Thank God for that. But don't ever think, because he redeems you, that you have totally been delivered from the muleishness. You're still an ass. And the moment You begin to depend on yourself, you'll go your own way, and that same nature reveals itself, and it's as alive as ever. Now, people don't like that, but that's the truth. I hear Christians get up and they shout about living in the victory. I believe in living in the victory. I believe Christ lives in the victory. He's all victorious. I do believe that. I believe he overcame sin, death, grave, hell, the devil. He's overcome it all. And I believe that when I live with my life submitted unto him, that his victory is outworked in my being. And I believe the moment that I walk in my own strength, I'm in defeat. That I believe. When his life operates in me, there is victory. But it takes a right attitude to allow his life to operate. I must see my total uh, despair. Who shall save me from the body of this death? Well, I thank God through Christ Jesus my Lord. Who shall save me? Christ. But that body of death is ever with me till the moment I leave this life. There's no way I'm going to find that there's going to be a total eradication and if I live my own life now, it doesn't matter. I can live and, and you know, because I'm saved, I'm going to live independent from God, but I'll be all right. I won't be. Dependence upon Christ is an absolute essential thing. And what people have lost is this dependence upon Christ. They've forgotten that Jesus Christ is the Saviour. Jesus Christ is Lord. We sing, He is Lord, He is Lord. But how many really yield their lives to Him? Look in Romans chapter 6. You'll find it, Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, verse 16. Know you not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants you are, to whom you obey? whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that you were the servants of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as you have yielded, your members servants to uncleanness and to iniquity, unto iniquity, even so you did once yield your members servants to righteousness unto holiness. Doesn't quite say that, does it? That's how people read it. But it actually says, even so now yield your members. Servants to righteousness, unto holiness. It's a continuous thing. It's a continuous yielding of myself, my members, unto righteousness. It's not a once and for all experience. It's a continual way of life. Every day and every moment of every day I've got to yield myself to God. And if I don't, that As nature will reassert itself and I'll become carnal. There has to be the cross operative in my life. If any man will be my disciple, let him deny himself, take up his cross, said Jesus, and follow me. And unless I have the cross in my life, I'm going to be in defeat. Attitudes in the heart will be wrong if there's not self-denial. Now, self-denial means I deny rights to myself. I deny anything that self demands, and I yield myself totally to Jesus Christ. Now, if I do not do that, the ass nature takes over. And I go my own way. Now, I might say, well, I'm holy. And in my eyes, I might consider myself holy, but God won't. For holiness is being separated unto God. And yielding my members to God is the most important part of my life. Find in Colossians chapter 3. Look in Colossians 3. If you then be risen with Christ, now if you're risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth, for you are dead. You are. And your life is hid with Christ in God. Your life is hid. It is hid with Christ in God. That's true. But read on. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory. Put to death or mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth. Say, but I'm dead. Paul says, yes, you are dead. There's a truth in which the Lamb of God was slain and you died in Christ. And because you died in Christ, put to death the members which are upon the earth. Then he goes on to list it, which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, ordinary affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. You've got to put those things to death in you. Say, well, when I was born again, didn't they go? No, they're in your members. They're part of you. They're part of the ass nature. You say, well, aren't I dead? Yes, you are dead. Your life is hid with Christ in God. Because it is, put them to death. Say, well... When I was put to death and my life was hid with Christ in God, surely all those things went. Well, if they did, then Paul was wrong to tell you to mortify them. They're there. And the moment you step out of the things of God or the moment you're lax or the moment you're careless or the moment you cease to seek God in the right way, what happens? You discover they're alive and they're very well and they're very powerful and they overcome you. True? Now it doesn't mean you're not dead. It doesn't mean your life isn't hid with Christ in God. It doesn't mean that at all. What it means is you've got to learn to yield your members now as instruments of righteousness and you've got to put to death your members that are upon the earth. There's got to be self-denial. Until the day you die, there's got to be that work of the cross going on in your life. It's a continuous thing. Now I did and I was told once that there was an experience that you could have where you'd get totally delivered from everything. And I sought that experience for years. I never found it. I was told by other people they had had it. And I think they had had it. Completely had it. And I noticed, you see, the people that profess the things, I noticed there were things that that I saw as glaringly wrong. And I thought, well, I don't understand this. Now you've got to put these things to death. And it's a continual putting of them to death. The problem is that we like to believe that now God's met us. It's all right. We can live a careless life. But I have to live a very careful life. I cannot afford to get too far from the cross. In fact, I can't afford to stray from the cross at all. I can't afford to stray from self-denial because the moment I do that, I find the ass asserts itself. And I want you to look into Mark's gospel. It, it probably puts it well here. In Mark 11. Mark 11. Verse 2. Or well, let's take verse 1. And when they came nigh to Jerusalem unto Bethleh, and to and Bethany, At the Mount of Olives he sendeth forth two of his disciples and saith unto them, Go your way into the village over against you, and as soon as you have entered into it, you shall find a colt tied, whereon never man sat. Loose him and bring him. And if any man say unto you, Why do ye this? Say ye that the Lord hath need of him, and straightway he will send him hither. And they went their way and found the colt tied by the door without in a place where two ways met and they loose him. And certain of them that stood there said unto them what do ye loosing the colt? And they said unto them even as Jesus had commanded and they let them go and they brought the colt to Jesus and cast their garments on him and he sat Upon him. You know, the only way the human nature can be tamed, and there is nothing that ever tames human nature but Christ. And you remember, it's like the ass's cult. In Job, man is like the ass's cult. And Jesus Christ chose that very thing to ride into Jerusalem with. He rode upon an ass's colt. I remember when I was in the States, someone saying that he believed he had a... uh, God spoke to him and told him he was the ass. And Jesus rode upon him, and he felt that was a call to the ministry. Stupid man. Everyone's an ass. And unless Jesus is riding upon you, and unless he subdues your nature, and unless his glory is upon you, I'll tell you this, you're in for a deep, deep fall, and an eternal loss. And you notice where the ass was. The ass was without, in a place where two ways met. Verse 4. Yield your members, servants, to righteousness or to unrighteousness. Depends where you yield yourselves, whom you obey, his servant you are. And you see the cult is always tied there. Goes one of two ways. Jesus finds us always in that predicament. And then he says, right, loose him, bring him to me. And then he masters that person, and that's what preaching does. It brings people to Christ. But I'll tell you this, when Christ comes, he intends to sit upon you, and he intends to keep in check and control your life. And you remember as they they strewed their garments before him and the garment speaks of the outward life and the inward life. The garment is the way of life. And they put their garments upon the ass and they strewed them in the way and Jesus rode over them. He sat upon the garments and he rode over the garments. And we have to understand that unless Christ is given his rightful place as king of kings and lord of lords and allowed to be sovereign and ruler in our life, we will end up going our own way and we will be destroyed. And I cannot, cannot subdue my own nature I cannot subdue the things that are in. The only thing I can do is come to Christ and ask him to deal with them. The only thing I can do is yield my life to Christ and say, Lord, I'm lost unless you do a work within me. My stubbornness, my rebellion, my cantankerousness, my awkwardness, everything militates against walking your way. If you don't subdue it, I'm lost. And there has to be a cry in the heart, a cry in the life. Oh Lord, I want you to have the preeminence. And there has to be a yielding of myself. There has to be a putting to death of my members upon the earth. There has to be a total giving over of myself and an acknowledging of what I really am in myself. And that's what man doesn't like to do. No man likes to admit what he is. Christ died for the ungodly. Christ did not die for the godly. He died for the ungodly, the people who were without God. I need to come and face the reality of what I really am. And I need to live with that reality ever before me when I've come to Christ. I don't then think I'm something different. The reality is I am what I am and God by his grace can keep me and change me and make me anew. I can be changed from glory to glory as in the face of Jesus Christ. But during that change, don't make any mistake about it. That ass nature's still very much there. And if I don't put it to death and I don't keep it under and I don't buffet my body and bring it into subjection and I don't do all the things that Paul exhorted, I'm going to be lost. If I don't walk with the cross, I don't deny myself, I don't take up my cross and follow him, I'm going to be lost. If I don't realize that only he can keep me, I'll be lost. Salvation is of God. Jesus Christ is our salvation. That and that alone saves. The Lamb saves. And if Christ isn't in my life and prevalent in my life and dominant in my life, I'm lost. I need to live every moment of every day crying out to Him for grace and for mercy. And if I don't do that, I'm lost. Say, well, surely when you're born again, the seed's there. True it is. But the seed's within my spirit. I want to see the life come forth in my soul and deliver me from mine enemies in the soul and bring the dominance of Christ throughout my being, killing and putting to death the lusts that are in my flesh. And unless I yield myself totally to him every moment of every day, unless I cry unto him, it doesn't operate. Now, some of you have found fault. You've found difficulties in your life. Now, the difficulties don't mean that you haven't had a real experience of God. The difficulties mean that you're not still experiencing him as you should. That you've lost your dependence upon him and you've started to become independent. Once you do that, you're lost. Unless you live in self-deception. I must have his life and power flowing through me. Every ass you redeem with a lamb. But the need of the blood is every moment of every day. I need cleansing every day. I need the dealings of God every day. I need the changes every day. I need the self-denial every day. I need to mortify my members that are upon the earth, now. I do now need to yield myself unto God. I now need to do the things. It's not a once-for-all experience. Every moment of every day, there must be a yielding, a giving over, an acknowledging, He is Lord. He is Lord. He is risen from the dead, and He is Lord. But I never become Lord. He is Lord. And the whole of my life must be an acknowledgement of the glory of his salvation. I must never ever think that anything is salvation save him. Christ, the living Christ, is salvation. God is my salvation. And unless I'm in his presence, I'm experiencing his reality moment by moment, I'm outside of salvation. Unless I'm yielded to him, unless he dominates my heart and my being, I'm lost. He is Lord. He is Lord. Unless I see that humanity is depraved, I'm lost. Unless I face the total inability of humanity ever to do anything, I'm lost. May God give us the grace and the awareness to see the revelation of God, which is in Ecclesiastes. We're beasts. Man is beast, and but brute beast. And if Christ doesn't ride victorious, you'll be that beast. And in the end, that nature will destroy you. I need Christ. I need him more and more now than I did when I was first saved. I need him because I need his keeping power. I know that if I think I stand, I've had it. I know that I need him. Don't you? Isn't there a cry in your heart? Don't you see the absolute beast nature within you? And isn't there a cry, oh God, I need you. Moment by moment, I need you. I need that death working in me. I need to put to death my members. I need your life. I need you. You don't need a new experience. You need the living God. And you need to yield yourself to him. That's what you need. And you need to acknowledge what you are and allow him to be the saviour and redeemer. And when you allow that, you'll find the life flows and the keeping power flows. That's why he talked about the ass being redeemed by the lamb. It's what it's all about. I just wanted tonight to draw your attention to it again. For to me, as I was talking with Max and I heard what this man was saying, I thought, what a terrible travesty that a man can get up and be so arrogant and proud as to believe he's become God. We become partakers of the divine nature, of course we do, as we allow the living God to rule in our hearts and lives. We're changed from glory to glory as we yield our members to him. But what we're not is in ourselves anything. It's as his life is shown forth in us. Separate from him, independent from him, we're lost. My life must be hid with Christ in God and remain there, hid with him. And then the life of Christ will come forth. Then will come forth sweetness where there was bitterness. Then there will come forth holiness where there was sin. Then will come forth life where there was death. When my life is truly hid with Christ in God, I must yield myself to him. Tonight I need to do it again. Don't you? I need to come afresh as though there never were a time I came. And every day and every moment I need to come that same way, finding my Saviour, still saving, finding my Lord Jesus still meeting my needs, dependent upon Him, ever needing Him to meet me and subdue that within which is so destructive. I need thee, oh, I need thee. Every hour I need thee, wrote a hymn writer. It's so true. There's never a time when I can say I don't need you, Lord. For I do need you. For there's that nature within that would rise up And reassert itself. There's that within my members, O God, that would reassert itself. Unless we put to death those things. I want to yield myself to thee. Is that the cry of your heart tonight? Has God given you a revelation of what a beast you are? Has the Spirit of God opened your eyes to see the ugliness of your soul? Have you realized how foolish it is and what folly it is to walk in your own strength? You need the living God. You need the living Christ. I need thee. Oh, I need thee. Every hour I need Thee. I can't live on my own. For, oh God, there's that ass's nature. I've been redeemed by a lamb. But I know if Jesus Christ does not ride upon the colt, where never man sat, if he does not subdue within that nature and keep it down, I'm lost. I want to bring that life, that heart, that nature afresh to thee, O God. I want to bring my life afresh to thee. I want to yield myself to thee afresh. My members afresh to thee. Lord, there's the sin that doth so easily beset. It's behind, it's before, it's within, it's around. I can't claim, O oh God, that it's anything but destructive. Oh Jesus, I need thee. I need your help. I need your salvation. I need your mercy. I need thee. Is that the cry of your heart tonight? Oh God, I need thee. Would you come again and surrender yourself? Say, O oh Lord, I realize how foolish I've been To believe I was anything. That I had anything. Only you can keep me from falling. Only the spirit of life can give me liberty. I want to come again to Calvary. I want to come again to where the wounds are. The bleeding side. I want to gaze on my King of glory. Lord, I need you to come and to deal with me afresh. I've strayed too far and I've found that the sin beset. I want to come back, O King, to where you are. I need thee. I haven't understood what I should do. But now I know I must yield myself, my members unto thee. I want to come again. Thine is the victory. Be thou victorious in my life. Subdue thou the kingdoms of my heart. Subdue thou, O God, the things that rise up from my nature. Lord, give me the grace to put to death the evil risings in my heart that thou mayest be glorified. I need you. O God, I do. I really need you. Like I've never needed someone before. I need you this night, O oh God. I need you to come and deal with the inner being. I've forgotten what it's like. For some, O oh God, it's been so long. Where has been the tender touch of thine embrace? Where has been the cleansing fountain that has washed white as snow? I need thee. I want to come afresh to the foot of Calvary. I want to come afresh to the place of deliverance. I want to come afresh. To that place, O God, where Thou art. O Jesus, I need Thee. I need Thee. Come, O King. I would open my heart this night. There's a fresh cleansing fount, open wide. There's a place where I can meet again, my Lord. There's a place where I can be cleansed, where thy great power can deliver, where you can meet my need. But, O Lord, how long some have neglected that place. It's a place... Of love. It's a place of cleansing. A place. Of deliverance. A place of life. I need thee O king. I need thee. Put a cry in my heart. This night. Put a cry in my soul. I need thee. I want to yield myself to thee. I want to yield my being to thee. It's the time, the time to come. Will you open your heart? Will you open your being and say, Oh God, I forgot what it was like. I forgot what I really was. I forgot my nature. I thought, oh God, you have done so much. I forgot what I was. Oh Jesus. Jesus. Won't you come? I would come to thee. I need Thee, I need Thee, I need Thee, Jesus, I need Thee, Lord, come, come in Your grace, let us come afresh to Calvary. let us come afresh to that place that place of life that place, oh God where you can meet with us oh Lord will you come this night I'll give you an invitation if you need to come, come if you realize you've neglected so long the means of grace, won't you come afresh to him? He alone can subdue. He alone can break the bands. He alone can deliver. Won't you come to him? It's time for deliverance. It's time. He loves you. He's coming as a redeemer. He's coming as a savior. Oh come. Come afresh. Gaze upon him. Let's See that glorious place. Jesus, keep me near the cross. There a precious fountain, free to all, a healing stream, flows from Calvary's mountain. Oh, near the cross, a trembling soul, love and mercy found me. There the bright and morning star shed its beams around me. Near the cross, O Lamb of God, bring its scenes before me. Help me walk from day to day with its shadow o'er me. Near the cross I'll watch and wait, hoping, trusting ever, till I reach the golden strand. Just beyond the river. I want to remain near that cross still then. So near the cross. Its healing streams ever flow through my life and heart. Near the cross. Will you come again? Come to the cross. The place of deliverance the place and source of life. (laughs) you <laughs> of deliverance bring me back there